0: Well, good morning. My name is Thad Lanthrop. I'm the executive pastor here at CIV. And we are, like Matt said, we're continuing on in our streams of thought message series. We've been talking about how the average person has 50,000 thoughts a day. That is a lot of thoughts to be running through our minds each and every day. And these these thoughts tend to run in streams. Positive streams of thought, negative streams of thought, maybe you're working on something that's strategic, some strategy streams of thought, personal, family life, finances, whatever it might be, work streams of thought. We, we get focused on something and our thoughts go there and they just start running. And <clears throat> I grew up going to this physical stream. Um, it's Sycamore Canyon Park. And it was a great place to go to as a kid. There was tadpoles there, crawdads. You could, you could catch them. Um, One time we caught a couple tadpoles, put it in a bucket, took it home, put some moss in there. Woke up the next morning and there was about a hundred tadpoles in the bucket. We accidentally brought home some eggs, and they were just everywhere. So we we took them back and released them to the wild. Um, but it it was, it was just a great time. Lots of days there were really enjoyable and they were fun. It's on days like that where streams of thought can be calm and enjoyable. Um, it's easy to have joy when things are going well in life. It's as the thoughts come up, the negative thoughts, the self doubt, you're just like stiff arm. Get out of here. God has made me in his image. Bitterness. No way. I forgive that person like God has forgiven me. Worry, anxiety. God will not rip me off. I can trust in him. Now, those days are few and far between in my experience. But when life is going well, it's easy to remind ourselves of the truth that we can find in God's word. But then there's times in life where the stream looks like this. That's the same park. The water almost, I, I've, I saw worse pictures, it had flooded the playground at the park. But that picture is a great picture of what our thoughts look like when we're facing trials or temptations. It's amazing how fast you can go from such a nice sunny day to a flood. In an instant, boom, it's a flood of negative thoughts. And the trials that we face come from a lot of different areas in life, it might be a financial trial. It could be a small financial trial. It could be a, a big financial trial. I overdrafted my bank account right when Gina and I were getting married. And I, I forgot that I had written a check. It was like our first rent check for the our first apartment that we that we were moving into. And I was having a great day until I realized I had overdrafted our bank account. And the, the negative thoughts started flooding in. That was dumb, Thad. What are you, I mean, what are you thinking? You're not going to be able to handle all these finances and things going on in, in your family. You're, you're just not going to be able to do it. You know, these thoughts run in our mind. And it put me in a bad mood. For a while, it was hard to shake that thought. Maybe a career might be another area of life where these negative thoughts come in, get a bad review at work, and we can go a couple different ways with that. One, it's the boss's fault. He doesn't know what he's doing. Why is he giving me a bad review? Or we can say, see, I knew you didn't have what it takes to get the job done here. We can put ourselves down. We're in the household. Fridge breaks at just the wrong time. And now you got to deal with it. I don't have time to deal with this. I'm not going to be able to get this done. Or there might be some health things that come up. That's an area of life that that can have a lot of trials in it. I woke up on Thursday and my knee hurt. Every time I, I was taking a step, stabbing pain in my knee. I don't know why. It wasn't like I ran a marathon the day before. I think I'm just getting older and I hear that happens. But... My knee hurt, hurt all day Thursday, all day Friday. And I didn't know if, you know, if we were, how it was going to feel. We wanted to go on a hike on Saturday. And I woke up and it felt fine. It was, it was gone. That was interesting. That's a little health thing. Um, this past year, we've had some ups and downs with my wife's health. She has ulcerative colitis and it's been a rough year. And there's been a lot of times where my thoughts were flooded with what ifs, what if thoughts, what if, you know, she doesn't get better. What if she has to be in the hospital for longer than she's already been in there? What what do we do to take care of the kids? How am I going to get it all done? All kinds of thoughts flood our mind when we're in the middle of trials. There's a lot of different ideas of how to, to deal with the thoughts, deal with the struggles. Um, one is I'm just going to go and hide for a while. I'm, I'm just going to check out. There's a lot going on. I feel like I can't handle it. I'll, I'll see you guys when it calms down. Another way is take control of the situation. It's not happening my way. This trial's going on, so I'm going to control everybody around me. Or I'm just going to turn to positive thoughts. It's all going to work out. It's going to be okay. But these strategies might work for a time, but in the long run, they come up empty. Things don't get done that need to. Relationships are damaged from trying to control and manipulate to get our own ways. The positive thoughts don't last that long. If there's no real foundation to why we should think those positive thoughts. But God gives some real help for us in the middle of trials. And it's completely backwards from what we, our natural tendency is going to be. And what God says is, joy is the right response in the middle of trials. Now, that's the exact opposite of the response that I am going to naturally choose in a trial. I'm, I'm going to be upset. I'm going to be, you know, that's a, that's, it's not fun to go through a trial. But we find this attitude towards trials in a book in the Bible that was written by Jesus's brother James. After Jesus's death on the cross, which was an excruciating death, the first church was formed in the city called Jerusalem. And the people in that church were persecuted for what they believed, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah and that God's son was was sitting down to earth and died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. That's what these people believed. The religious and political leaders at the time were threatened by this belief in Jesus. And so the early Christ followers were persecuted and they fled to different areas. So James wrote this book, this letter that went out to these persecuted people that were scattered. So they knew a little bit about going through trials. They just had to leave where they had lived and move. Look at what James writes to them. Count it all joy, my brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds, for, you know, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, again, this is the opposite response that I would naturally choose in response to trials. Can you imagine doctor coming in and saying, well, you broke your ankle and you're going to need surgery? And your response is, that's great. High fives, fist bumps all around. This is awesome. I've been waiting for something like this. No, nobody's going to respond that way. Nobody's going to say that. But here we see that joy is the right response to trials. One of the things that that we find in this verse is that James is talking to Christ's followers. And we see that <clears throat> in how he He refers to my brothers in this. I was waiting for that. I woke up with allergies. I knew that was going to happen at some point. So I'm going to leave the water right there. Um, The my brothers is referring to the spiritual family that someone joins when they choose faith in Jesus Christ. That's what it's talking about. So this statement, just the two words, my brothers, it assumes a lot about the people that he's talking to. There's This statement assumes a lot of beliefs that they have, and these beliefs can be summarized in A, B, C. Christ followers are people who have admitted that they are sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Christ followers are also people who believe. They believe that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, that he died, that he rose again to pay for their sins. He was a sacrifice for their sins. That's what these people believed. They also believed and they committed to turn from their sins and live life God's way. Basically, what these people believed was Jesus is who he says he was. He is who we, he says he was, what we see in the Bible. And instead of living life my own way, I'm going to turn and live life God's way. I'm going to follow him. So that's a lot that we can get from just those two words of what these people believed, And what they believed is I'm going to do life God's way. And a lot of times that's backwards from what we think, just like what we're seeing here with the joy in the face of trials. It's backwards from what we think is the right way to do things. And so James, he says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Now this verse, it just kind of jumps out at you. It's, it's so different than our way of thinking that it jumps out. And you just think, what is going on here? This portion of the Bible was originally written in the Greek. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to look into this word joy because maybe it's like this internal hope or internal joy. That is being talked about because it just doesn't seem right that we should count it as joy when we face trials. But as I investigated this word joy, it's a strong word for joy. Other versions of the Bible translate it supremely happy. It's such a strong word that that it shouldn't be mixed with any other emotion. It's a pure joy. That is being talked about here. And the verse goes on to explain more of why joy should be the emotion in the midst of various trials. It says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. This is a very matter of fact way of saying this. It's saying you can count your trials as joy because you know You know without a shadow of a doubt that when your faith is tested, it produces steadfastness. And this steadfastness that's being talked about, apparently that's a really important thing. Because if it's worth it to go through trials and you can have joy in the middle of the trials to get steadfastness, it's a very high character quality that we we all need to strive for. A steadfast person is unwavering in the face of adversity. And again, I went back and and looked at the Greek for this word, the word's hupomone, and what it means is a remaining under. It's a patient enduring. A steadfast person can endure a great deal for what they believe to be true and right. Steadfast people, they're strong people. And it's only with God's help That we can be steadfast in the middle of these trials as we turn to him and ask him for help. So the idea here is that the Christ follower can respond to these trials with joy because they know it's not some pointless, random trial that they're going through. And if they remain under God's truth in the middle of it, then it's going to produce a deeper, more certain faith. God will use the trials for good in their life. And it goes on to say, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The trials we face will make us more like Christ. And that's that's what a Christian, that's what a Christ follower is trying to do. When we turn from going our own way, We're trying, we're looking to the example of Jesus Christ and trying to take steps towards being more and more like Him. And so these trials can help us to get closer and more and more like Him. It says perfect and complete. Now that's not going to happen on earth. We're going to work our way as, as close as we can get to living life God's way, but we're not going to be perfect. Nobody is. James is saying, count your situation as joy because God will use it for good. This shows the right response to trials, is joy. But it's unnatural. And in the midst of trials, it's hard to choose that joy as it's going on. I mentioned that we've been having a rough year with uh, Gina's health. She was in the hospital earlier this year, out for a little bit, and then back in the hospital and there were a lot of days where I just woke up and there was just a heavy weight on my shoulders. And that, that's how it felt. My mind was just going a mile a minute of all the things I need to get done that day. Work. Uh, Gina homeschools our kids through a, a charter school and so they're home most of the time with her. So how are we going to get them taken care of? I didn't even care about school at that point. I just wanted to make sure somebody was watching them. But... These thoughts, it was just a flood of thoughts. How in the middle of something like that do you choose joy? How do you get to the point that you can choose joy in the middle of trials that are going on? And the answer is joy every day is possible when we put our faith in God's word. The Bible. James goes on at the end of that first chapter we were just looking at. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Here we see it's it's important. It's valuable to listen to the word, to hear what it says. We can listen by reading the Bible, by listening to messages at church. We can see it in groups groups. That we're in and at CIV, as people live out the faith, live out the Bible. We see it in examples. But it's important not just to learn, not just to hear, but to put it into practice ourselves. It's not just this knowledge that we're building up, but it's an actionable faith. And James 25 talks about what happens as you do that. It says, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law, that's the Bible. So the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. God will bless us as we live life his way. But we have to do God's word. It's not just hearing it. And it's going to seem backwards to us a lot of times, like choosing joy in trials. It's going to feel really awkward to try to choose joy in the middle of trials. But when we hear the word and do what it says, that's where the blessing is. And that is how your faith in God grows. It grows when you your faith grows as you trust God without any backup plans. You say, here's what the Bible says. I'm going to do it. I'm going to see how God comes through, how he takes care of me in the middle of whatever I'm going through. One of the things that happens when you start to hear the word and apply it and do it, you come, you you start to get all these stories, faith stories of God coming through for you. As you take a step of faith, he comes through for you. He meets us where we're at. One of the big areas that we start to get stories in um, is in our finances. The Bible is very clear about being generous and especially about where the first 10% um, of our income should go. We see this in Leviticus twenty-seven thirty. It says, every tithe, and tithe literally means tenth, 10%, every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. And so they were farmers. That was their source of income those days. So that's where you see that. And then Proverbs 9, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. These verses are very backwards to the American mindset of finances. Think, hey, I gotta, I gotta save, I gotta pay for my needs, and then whatever's left over, I I might give to God. That, that, but I gotta get, I gotta take care of me first. That's our typical mindset. Early in our marriage, Gina and I were practicing tithing, and as we were, we were doing that, you know, it's, there's a lot of bills to be paid. We had student loans and everything. That was going on in our life, and at the same time, God was exposing us to people who were generous with their finances. They were practicing what the Bible said to do, and they were giving more and more away to people in need. And so we're trying to steward our finances well and do well with it. Gene and I just saved up $1,000 for our emergency fund. We're thinking, all right, we're on the right track. We heard it somewhere. You're supposed to do that, and... Gina had a dentist appointment and <clears throat> she needed some dental work and it was going to cost between two and three thousand dollars. Now, that's a bummer. That's not fun. Don't really want to count that a joy. But at the same time, I thought, hey, we got this emergency fund. I'm seeing the value in, you know, saving for things like this. And a little while after we found out about the cost of all the dental work that she needed to be done, we were in this meeting, uh, a training meeting. And we heard about this opportunity that a ministry family had. And God very clearly spoke to me in that meeting. It gave me the impression, you need to give them that $1,000. It was like he was saying, yeah, you thought that was for an emergency, but it was you were really saving for this. So we wrestled with that for a little bit, and we sent the money off. We thought, all right, we'll see what God does. And I thought something spectacular was going to happen because I've heard of stories, you know. It's like you send away the thousand, three thousand, just what you need comes right in. It didn't happen. Didn't have the spectacular story. But what did happen was God spaced out the, the work that she had to be done just right. And the bills came in just right where we had enough to pay it each time it came in. God was faithful to us as we took a step of faith to give the way we thought he wanted us to give. And what's happened as we try to do that more and more and more is I used to be so uptight about our money and where it was going. And I'm still I'm still pretty uptight about it as far as tracking it and knowing where we're spending our money. But there's this weight that's been lifted off my shoulders there's this God has just given me the freedom like we just looked in that in that verse it talked about the freedom that comes from living life God's way where I don't worry about our finances as much because God's going to provide. He's going to come through for us with it. Our faith grew so much in that experience of taking a step out in, in and seeing how God was going to come through. God used that to build a steadfastness into our character with money. But the thing is, when we take steps of faith and step out and watch God come through, it doesn't just affect that one area. It affects other areas as well. So when the Bible says to clear up relationships, that's scary to go to somebody and ask them for forgiveness. But we can trust that God's going to be faithful to us in that, just like he has in these other areas. Or when the Bible says, put the goals and interests of others above your own. That's scary, too. Who's going to take care of me as I put others first? But God will take care of us. My father-in-law has a saying. A, he, he says, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Oh, that's really good. Really helpful. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Now, stupidity is also spelled R-I-S-K. So you got to be careful there. But faith, spelled R-I-S-K, is because you're taking a step based on what the Bible says. You're taking a step based on the truth that's found in God's word, and he is 100% faithful as you do that. So where do you need to take a faith risk and watch God come through in your life right now? Maybe you're here and you're investigating a relationship With God, And the first step of faith that you might need to take is to start spending some of your resources, your time, your energy, maybe a little bit of money to figure out, is this really real? Is having a relationship with God really real? That takes some faith to to spend your resources on that. Or maybe you're here and you are a Christ follower for a while. And there's an area that you've been hearing about God's word, but not taking action on. Yes, we all have areas like that. We hear God's word and we just don't, for whatever reason, don't take action. So what's a step that you can take? I want to encourage you, take a step of faith today, whatever it might be. Our thoughts will still get flooded. Even with this foundation of faith, of taking steps, watching God come through, it makes it easier for us to turn to him in trials as we have that faith. But they're still going to come. It's still going to be a struggle to remember to choose joy every day and in every circumstance. So here's a a process that I work through that helps me when I hit trials. When the thoughts are just swirling and I, I don't know which way to turn or what to do. This is a process that's been helpful to me time and time again. We can choose joy in every circumstance by praying. This is on the back of your um handout that's in your program if you're following along um choose joy in every circumstance by praying 1st Thessalonians 5:16 and 18 says be joyful always pray continually give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus the flood of thoughts in the midst of trials it should be like an alarm going off that We need to pray. We need to ask God for help. So when you start to feel those waters rising in your thoughts and you start to feel like, I don't know what to do here, should be that alarm going off. I need to pray and ask God for help. Just ask him. God, I don't even know what to think right now. I just know I need your help. Help me to choose to do what's right in this circumstance. Help me to choose faith. In this circumstance, whatever it might be. And then after you've prayed and said, God, your will be done in this situation, remind yourself of God's truth. That's the next step that that I try to take. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It's a great verse to memorize and, and, and bring to mind. When you're going through trials, this is where hearing the word regularly really helps, whether it's at a worship service or memorizing a verse to use in a time where you're having a trial or reading the Bible regularly so you have that steady diet so that you can have the truth to fight trials that come your way. Or you might need to talk to a wiser friend who can help you. With the truth, so when the flood waters are rising, pray, remind yourself of God's truth, and then get back to what you were doing before. Give your full effort to your current responsibility. What you find in the Bible is that Satan wants to use trials to beat us down, to distract us from the responsibilities that we have in front of us today. But 1 Corinthians ten thirty one says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So we need to combat this strategy that's trying to get us to be loose, have a loose grip on our responsibilities. And we need to grab them firmly and do what we need to do. Now, this is not a linear process. You can't just pray, remind yourself of the truth and get back to work and, and you're good. You're going to choose joy for the rest of your life. It's not how this works. What I have found is that I have to come back to this process again and again, sometimes several times in a day, to battle and fight against the the flood of thoughts that come from the trials. You know, with Gina's health this last year, I mean, it's been an almost daily battle um, for me. And with thoughts and what ifs and, and what's going to, Gonna happen here. Some days I didn't do a good job, just was discouraged the whole day. But the days I did turn to God in prayer, remembered His Word through reading my Bible or verses that I memorized, or sometimes friends would send texts at just the right moment with verses. And I focused on what I could do next. God gave me peace and joy in the middle of those circumstances. It's a fight. But it's worth it to get to the point where you can trust God with the trial that you're going through and you can choose joy because the the goal of the enemy is to distract us from what's going on. We're so worried about what's going to happen in the future and what's coming up and these flood of thoughts come in that we're distracted from what's really important and in front of us right now, whether it's work or family or school or whatever it might be. But God is faithful. And he will use whatever situation we are in for good in our life. We might think something's unfair or unbearable, but God sees the big picture of what's going on. And he's going to help us get through the situation that we're in. Take the faith, faith risk to choose joy in whatever you're facing right now. And as you do that, Figure out what faithfulness looks like today so that you can take advantage of all the opportunities that come your way. The band's going to come out, and each week we encourage people to take some next steps in response to the message. Uh, Please take out your connection card. The offering will um, come around after, uh, after the message, during the next song. And... Um, I'd like to encourage you to, to think of a next step that you might want to take in response to the message today. Maybe there's a faith risk that God wants you to take. Here, here's a couple next steps um, that might be helpful in response to the message. The first one is to memorize that James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And to go along with that, Romans 8, 28 as well. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Those verses can be key to fighting battles, to fighting thoughts that are flooding your mind. And then the last next step is a suggestion. You don't have to just take these three. You can pick one on your own. Um, But the last one that I'd suggest is take a faith risk by trusting God, um, by trusting what God says about fill in the blank. Is there a faith risk that God was specifically pointing to during the message today that, that you feel like you need to take? Take that risk. Watch God come through for you. And just watch your faith grow as a result. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that we can trust you the way that we can, that you um, have promised to turn whatever situation we're going in or we're going through into good. And you are faithful in that. And I pray that you would show us each how we can take a step closer to you and how you'll come through for us and just see what active faith looks like and how important that is to our lives and how you'll take care of us in the middle of some really hard things. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.